engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Well, that kind of looks like a hurricane outside. I'm looking at the radar right now. It, it is a, a spiral around the city, north of the city. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here at Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Y'all, I, I, I have watched, now I, I've been in seminary this afternoon, but it, this morning was paying attention and, and then left class and, and kind of, I was checking the internet during class, can't help it. And the president can't win for losing. If the man went to went to Houston, Texas, and walked on water carrying people on his back to safety, the media really would attack him for being unable to swim. I mean, he is getting blown up by people in the press for going to, to Texas, for making a self-aggrandizing. What do they expect? Every speech the man gives is a self-aggrandizing speech. It is his nature. And complaining about it every time he does it isn't going to help anything. It's not going to help them. It's not going to help him. It's going to help nothing. But he went. When George W. Bush did not go to New Orleans for the explicit purpose of not distracting relief workers, the media attacked him. When Donald Trump went to Texas, they attacked him. They attacked his wife's choice of shoe. They attacked her change of shoes. They attacked her cap. They attacked her attire. They attacked his attire. They attacked his cap. They attacked his speech. They attacked everything. You know, it is, it's one of those uh, cry wolf moments. And they claimed that they had learned their lesson. Having called George W. Bush, Jimmy McBush, Hitler, Halliburton, and he was a fascist, racist, bigot, homophobe. And then John McCain was a fascist, racist, bigot, homophobe. And Mitt Romney was a fascist, racist, bigot, homophobe. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Donald Trump really is. How can anyone believe them on anything? The Politico is running a cartoon today. And the cartoon depicts uh, Coast Guard workers rescuing a Texas family from their home. The quote attributed to the the father of the family being rescued is, they're like angels from heaven. He's wearing a Confederate flag for a t-shirt with a secede or die sign on his house and a uh, Gadsden flag. And the Coast Guard worker says, no, sir, we're from the federal government. As if to say, yet again, oh, all these people who, who, these racist bigots from Texas who want nothing to do with the United States, they are being helped by government. And, you know, this captures two issues here, this cartoon from the Politico. One, by the way, they deleted it from Twitter. And the artist is in hyper defense uh, on social media today trying to defend himself, trying to claim that the cartoon doesn't depict what everyone sees it depicting. No one I know of, uh, well, actually, I, I take that back. Antifa, those guys are anarchists. They don't want government at all. I don't know a single conservative or libertarian who objects to government. Government confined to its proper place. And one of the proper places of government is, in times of natural disaster, rescuing people stranded on their roofs. Nobody I know of objects to that. But 
What I also think is fascinating is so many people hate the media because they know the media stereotypes them. And here is the national political media stereotyping people in Texas. It is how the media sees these people, not how these people actually are. And it's just another reminder of how much contempt the American media has for their fellow American outside the Beltway bubble. By the way, it is interesting to compare and contrast members of the media in Hollywood with Sandra Bullock. Uh, Sandra Bullock, the actress, has given a million dollars of her own money to disaster relief and Her quote is that there is no politics in disaster. She gave a million dollars after 9-11. She gave a million dollars after Katrina. She gave a million dollars after Rita. She's given a million dollars now after Harvey. Uh, This is something that she does. And she doesn't do it for credit. She doesn't do it for politics. And you have members of the left attacking Sandra Bullock today, a Hollywood actress for giving money to Texas, because the Texans, you know, they caused the hurricane. Yes, they caused the hurricane, uh, because Texas makes its money from the oil and gas industry, which contributes to global warming, which caused the hurricane. By the way, I I would notice how they've subtly changed this. For years now, what have we been hearing? That in Because of climate change, we were going to have more frequent and bigger hurricanes. Well, as of yesterday, uh, the news reporters are saying, well, because of climate change, we're going to have less hurricanes, but they're all going to be bigger. That's not what they've been saying for the past 15, 20 years. For the past 15, 20 years, they've been saying we were going to have more frequent and bigger hurricanes. But that hasn't come to be. We've had less. In fact, we've had virtually none. And now we've got this one. And of course, you've had meteorologists for the last several days saying, no, this isn't a climate change related event. This is just a hurricane. And now you've got people grasping for ways to claim that it is a a climate change event. But it's got so much more water. It's dropping so much more rain because the the air is so much warmer. No, not true. In fact, Texas isn't even in a heat wave right now. The The temperatures in the Gulf of Mexico feeding the hurricane were not above average. Everything was average. The issue here, yes, Harvey has a lot more rain. It broke a lot of records. But the issue is not that Harvey, through global warming, fueled a, a major disaster. It's that Houston has no zoning laws and paved over the entire southern part of Texas and the water had nowhere to go. But it really is interesting to hear these people who for 15, 20 years have been saying we were going to have more hurricanes and we were going to have bigger hurricanes suddenly say, oh, no, actually, we never said that. What we said is that there were going to be less hurricanes and they were all going to be bigger. That's not what they said. And you can Google it. You don't have to trust me. Just get on Google and check. The prevailing wisdom for global warming for the last 15 years has been more hurricanes and bigger hurricanes. And they've all been saying, when the rest of us have pointed out, where are the hurricanes? You've been saying there are going to be more hurricanes. Just you wait. Just you wait. Just you wait. We're still waiting for more hurricanes. And they're not coming. 
we have isolated incidences and their weather. They're not climbing. It always it, it is the most amazing thing how uh, unseasonably cool temperatures in August in Georgia. That's just weather. It's not climate. But one hurricane in Texas, an event that used to regularly happen in the 80s and it, it has happened now. After several years of not happening, well, that's climate change there. That one storm is climate change. But your unseasonably cool weather in Georgia, no, no, that's just weather. They want to have it both ways. It is it is religious. It is religious apologetics for environmentalists. They have rejected worship of the creator in favor of worship of creation, and they are now engaging in a modern apologetics exercises to defend it. The problem is, the logic in defending Christianity, for example, is fairly compelling, straightforward, and consistent. The logic to defend their environmentalist nonsense is all over the place. you got to believe multiple competing things that cannot be all true to reconcile environmentalist religion. It is 25 after the hour. When we come back, we have a short segment here. And I I don't want to dwell on this now, but I need you to come back at 539. Because I need you to understand what I'm about to tell you here. You probably don't want to give money to the Red Cross to help with Harvey. Give it to the Salvation Army, give it to the North American Mission Board, which actually I recommend because literally every single penny they get designated for Harvey goes to relief. Same with the Salvation Army. You probably don't. In fact, I deleted uh, a piece I had on Facebook uh, telling people they could text the number to the Red Cross and, and get um, give $10. I deleted it. And I would urge you to find a different charity not the Red Cross. And I want to go through some details with you, and it's too abridged here. I don't want to to I don't want people to just hear a snippet of this, but you do need to understand this. There are some real problems with the Red Cross. And the leadership of the Red Cross has actually now been accused formally by Congress of making uh, false statements to Congress about some of the accounting. After the Louisiana flooding situation, the Mississippi flooding situation, Hurricane Sandy, there are some problems. And I cannot recommend the Red Cross, and I used to recommend them, and I cannot. And the ProPublica, which is a left-of-center investigative news publication, actually has a series of tweets out and a large-scale report out on the problems. And you should know that uh, Judge What's-His-Name, oh. What's the guy? Uh, Ed Emmett, uh, Harris County Judge Emmett. He is probably the leading expert in the South, if not the nation, on disaster relief because he's presided over so many hurricanes in Texas as the uh, chairman of the county commission where Houston is. Uh, He's like the guy everybody goes to. And here is his direct quote. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but the Red Cross, they couldn't get anything done. I don't mean to be mean to an organization that serves a good purpose, but you need to stick around and let me give you some facts on why you probably want to go elsewhere. (music) 
Hello there. It is 539. Uh, the rain continues heading into our area. Um, it is now starting to encroach on the perimeter, but it's really going to be on the north side near the north of the Brave Stadium. I, I keep wanting to say north of Turner Field. Uh, but no, it's the SunTrust Stadium now. Can't we just have a baseball or football stadium in the nation that's named after the team? Like the Brave Stadium as opposed to the SunTrust It's like the stupid bowl games. I remember when the Peach Bowl was the Peach Bowl, not the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Or at least Chick-fil-A has has the courtesy of, say, the, the Peach Bowl presented by Chick-fil-A. Some of the rest of them, the... The Taco Bell whatever bowl, the the something, 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 something sugar bowl. I just, corporate sponsorships can ruin stuff. But nonetheless, the rain is encroaching on the area. I need to talk to you guys about the Red Cross. I have stopped uh, recommending the Red Cross as a charity to give money to for disaster relief. And you need to know why, and primarily you need to know why, because most of corporate America and the media still thinks of the Red Cross as the gold standard, when it arguably has never been the gold standard, uh, but it has the best PR team, and he with the best PR team tends to win. So if you go to Apple's website, or you go to iTunes, or you go to any of these other major corporate websites, you're going to find links to the Red Cross, and you may very well be wasting your money. In fact, there are lots of reports that suggest you are. Uh, ProPublica, which is a essentially publicly funded uh, investigative news source, uh, leans left, and they have investigated the Red Cross. And I just want to read you their series of tweets today. I won't read you their entire article, but you maybe saw that Barack Obama has tweeted people telling them to give to the Red Cross. However... The Washington Post reports that folks are urging people to donate for Harvey Relief, but not to the Red Cross. Things haven't been going well for the charity in Texas. This isn't a shock to us. Let's go through this. A few years ago, ProPublica started looking into how millions of dollars in Sandy donations were spent. The Red Cross would not tell them. In fact, the Red Cross claimed it was a trade secret. ProPublica kept reporting and got to this. The Red Cross botched its response to Superstorm Sandy and actually put PR over victims. In fact, there have long been allegations that the Red Cross spent more money on PR efforts saying how good it was than it actually spent on anything else. Eight months after Hurricane Sandy, the Red Cross raised a half billion dollars for Haiti following the Haitian earthquake, but only built six houses. Six with a half billion dollars. Then in Louisiana, with historic flooding, it failed. Local officials were irate over the Red Cross's poor response to the disaster. And then in Mississippi, there was flooding, and the Red Cross screwed up in Mississippi as well. The Red Cross has also serially misled donors on how much money goes to disaster relief. It's not 91 cents per dollar, as they claim. A government investigation started looking into the Red Cross's disaster relief and oversight, and the CEO tried to kill the government investigation. Then a Senate report said the Red Cross CEO made false statements to Congress. Internally, trust is an issue. Only 35% of employees of the Red Cross say they trust the Red Cross's leadership. 
And now Harvey has dumped trillions of gallons of water on Houston and the Red Cross appears to be screwing up again. So, where should you give your money? Now, what are they screwing up in Texas? Well, it depends on who you ask at the Red Cross. One person at the Red Cross is telling the press that they knew Harvey was coming, so they pre-placed supplies in Houston, and now they can't get to him because of the flooding. And a different person at the Red Cross is giving a different story that they can't get the supplies in because of the flooding. I wouldn't give to the Red Cross if I were you. There are plenty of other places to give. The North American Mission Board actually is a big one. The Salvation Army, another one. I realize they're religious. That's not why I'm recommending it. It's just that most of the religious charities like those, they get their administrative costs from someone else, and 100% of the money you give them actually goes to helping. The reason that I recommend the North, North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention is not because it's a religious organization. I grew up Southern Baptist, but am not a Southern Baptist. Now, I go to a PCA, Presbyterian Church. Uh, we put the fun in fundamentalism. Uh, we are not the heretical branch of the Presbyterians. That would be the PCUSA. The Southern Baptist North American Mission Board, you can go NAMB.net, uh, North American Mission Board, NAMB.net. 100% of the money you give them goes to the relief. Churches fund the administrative costs. So churches give money to help cover the staffing of the mission board, and the money you give as charity, 100% of it goes to the cost. Unlike the Red Cross, where some estimates have less than 50%, less than 50 cents on the dollar going to actual disaster relief, the rest going to administrative costs, the estimates vary. The Red Cross says 91 cents on the dollar goes to disaster relief. Nobody believes them. The Salvation Army is another one where 100% of the cost, that you, 100% of the money you give goes to disaster relief. Um, the, the reason that I say the North American Mission Board, though, is because I will never forget after Katrina, which was, I mean, you couldn't get to South Louisiana because there were no roads anymore. Still, somehow, the North American Mission Board got to South Louisiana. where They beat the Red Cross. They beat the Salvation Army. They beat the federal government. They literally beat the army into New Orleans. The North American Mission Board did. They literally... No hyperbole. They literally beat the U.S. Army getting to New Orleans to help people. Uh, and they do that consistently, and they don't have a fancy PR budget like the Red Cross. They're not going to get money from corporate America because they're religiously affiliated, uh, all of those things. And yet, consistently, they do a better job than pretty much any other charity in America when it comes to disaster relief in the United States. Uh, the only one who comes close in my mind is the Salvation Army and, honestly, Walmart. Walmart does an amazing job, but Walmart does not need your money. They are privately funded and a for-profit corporation. Uh, I, again, during Katrina, after the North American Mission Board, uh, the Salvation Army and Walmart got in there about the same time, and they were tied for second place getting to New Orleans ahead of FEMA and, again, the Red Cross. Um, that is why I say if you want in North American Mission Board, they're local. They're here in Atlanta. And they're just a good organization to give money to for disaster relief, uh, NAMB.net. But give to who you want to give. I would just highly advise you not to give to the Red Cross. Um, if you're looking at one of the major national organizations, the Salvation Army is where I would give my money if you were me. Hello. 
Hello there, 55 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. If you're north of I-20, you got rain, basically. Uh, and Douglasville, you're about to get hit with heavy rain. Powder Springs, you're going to be hit with, let me see, it's giving me a time frame on this. You will have the heavy rain on top of Powder Springs here in the next 10 minutes. Um, so people are, during break, tweeting and asking me about Samaritan's Purse. Why well, don't recommend Samaritan's Purse? Samaritan's Purse is actually a really good uh, charity. And I personally give them money. Uh, there is a reason I don't recommend them to people publicly. Uh, I used to, but I don't anymore. And it has everything to do with Franklin Graham, uh, who, who I do respect. Uh, but it becomes problematic because of his aggressive defense of the president and his refusal to ever um, uh, chastise the president publicly or privately and whatnot. It rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And I have found the last several times that I have, um, recommended Samaritan's Purse. Uh, you get all sorts of, of angry people upset with why would you give to that? They're convinced he's giving money to the president. Uh, it's not, it's a good organization, uh, but it's just not worth my time. Uh, to try to defend the organization when I'm trying to recommend that you give your money to a good organization. And it generates phone calls and, and whatnot. Now, when we come back, oh, we gotta we got to pivot slightly. There's a news story out there that is causing the left to lose their mind. And I am involved in the news story, uh, so I want to get into it a little bit. It is taking on an international flavor here. Hello there. It is nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Um, <laughs> I, I realize that it's Atlanta's Evening News with Eric Erickson. I, I try not to always make it about myself. Uh, I, I, there is a news story, though, that I'm involved with, and it is uh, relevant and worth talking about in light of Antifa and the left. Uh, and it is, I mentioned very briefly yesterday, the Nashville statement. Um, you can find out more about this and everything else if you want to text WSB to 444999, uh, and you'll get the sign-up for the daily email. But the, So the Nashville statement, it, just very, very briefly, it is um, uh, uh, John Piper, Russell Moore, um, R.C. Sproul, J.I. Packer, uh, and little old me, uh, Rosaria Butterfield, a, a bunch of very famous theologians, evangelicals, and me. And all it does is it reaffirms 2,000-year-old uh, things, things that have been in Scripture forever, um, that homosexuality is a sin. It is no better or worse a sin than the other sins in the list. And uh, marriages between a man and a woman and God made us male and female, and we don't get to pick ourselves. That That's it. Uh, 2,000 years of, of Scripture right there. 
and you're supposed to deal lovingly with everyone, and regardless, we're all sinners, and uh, no one is worse or better than anyone else because we're all sinners regardless of what the sin may be. That's it. The left is losing its mind. The Antifa people and the left-wing activists are pushing a hashtag on Twitter, empty the pews. You have people saying that the church needs to be shut down. And interestingly enough, their chief line of attack is that these evangelicals are the ones who supported Donald Trump, who says you can grab women by their whatever, and why should we respect or listen to anyone when it comes to how to live your life when they support him? But over 70% of the signatory, initial signatories to this document are the prominent evangelicals who didn't support the president all the way through the campaign. But the left doesn't care. Now, I bring this up not to have a religious theological discussion with you. I bring this up to talk about the politics of what's going on. Um, the, the mere fact that this is being brought up and being attacked by people is to highlight to you what is happening in this country politically, and that is that the left is using silence as a weapon. And it is happening across the country, and it is an implicit part of their violence through Antifa that they all deny is happening, even though you can see it on TV for yourself, how violent they are. They want you to be scared. They want you to be silent. They want you to shut up because if you shut up and stay silent, they think they have the opportunity not to convince you, but your children of things that are not true. And that as long as you are scared enough to be shut up and silent, you will not challenge them as they come for your children. They've given up on you. They just want you to be silent so that they can indoctrinate your children on things that are not true and they can claim they're true. It is very similar to a story out of the Daily Mail today from China. China is prohibiting parents now from allowing their children to go to church. If you live in China, children are no longer allowed to go to church. And the Chinese have a real problem here. I want to give you a number that's going to blow your mind. 30%. The best guess is that there are 30% of the people in China are now Christian. 30%. That's staggering when you consider the number of people in China. Uh, it's, It's essentially, it's not quite the population of the United States as a whole, but it's, it's up there. Huge. When you're talking billions of people in one country and 30% of them, uh, that's a that's a pretty significant number. And the Chinese are becoming increasingly fearful of Christianity. So they are now increasingly cracking down on churches. And it is interesting to see what the left is doing to people of faith here in this country and what China is doing to people of faith in that country. I mean, here you have liberals getting on accreditation boards Uh, that oversee religious schools and demanding that their religious schools abandon core tenets of their faith on marriage and whatnot. In China, you're, you're not even allowed to have religious school. What's happening in this country, you know, one of the greatest tools the devil has ever had is silence. 
Uh, if you can keep people shutting up, uh, you can keep them from sharing the gospel and whatnot. And that's what the left is doing on these cultural issues. Now, I, I, I address this to all of you. Um, you can hear and understand it if you're meant to hear and understand it. Uh, you got an obligation to speak. You got an obligation to speak more and more in a world that wants you not to speak. Now, I am and I have always been the type of personality that if you tell me not to do something, I'm probably going to do it unless it just defies common sense. If you tell me not to jump from a building, I'm probably not going to jump. But if you tell me to shut up uh, about something that I think should be spoken, I'm probably going to double down on it. It's just I've always had that personality. I was always one of those those kids in college who, when they had mandatory events, uh, I was the one who didn't want to go to the mandatory events because I thought, my God, I'm in college. I'm supposed to be a responsible adult. I shouldn't have to go. You people told me I was an adult and could make up my own mind. I've always kind of been like that. But you've got an obligation to speak up, particularly as the left wants you to be silent, particularly on cultural issues. You've got an obligation to speak up. Pastors have an obligation to speak up uh, because they're not coming for you. They're coming for your kids. They're coming for your kids on the hope that if you are silent, they can get your children and they can convince your children that wrong is right and right is wrong and up is down and down is up. So you got to speak up. You got to be heard. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's on topics that none of us care to discuss. Nobody wants to talk about this stuff. And that's what they're hoping for. That's what they're relying on. But it goes beyond things like biblical truths. It goes to basic facts of life on human nature. It goes to basic political points. It goes to basic political theory. It goes to conservatism itself. It goes to defense of the free market. They want you to be silent on all of it so they can twist it all up. They are deeply hoping for your children. They have decided, based on present polling, that your children are sympathetic to their ideas or lack thereof. They have decided that your children are moving left and that they can expedite the drift if they can intimidate you into being silent across the board on political, cultural, and religious issues. And if you are silent, you will let them win. So I would just advise you uh, that you can't be. You, you have an obligation to speak. You have an obligation to go out and preach and teach and make disciples. If you're a person of faith, you have an obligation to make the argument in the town square. You have a right to do so. You have a right to speak. And the left doesn't want you to have that right. That's one reason they're trying to clamp down on free speech around this country. Why they're trying to claim that if you offend someone with your speech, it is definitionally hate speech and you can't say it. Because they need you to be quiet for them to win. But the biggest issue, going full circle, take this Nashville statement again. They are outraged by it because it exposes them. When you speak truth, it exposes the lie. When you point out that things have been so for 2,000 years, um, you expose them for being the ones who are disruptive. You know, just go directly back to the, the church issue very quickly. All these people say that it is evangelical Christians who are being divisive in this country. 
the evangelicals are standing put. Uh, they're not moving. It's those guys who are moving. And definitionally, if there's one side standing still and another side moving, it's the ones moving causing the division. But they don't want you to point that out either. you got an obligation to speak up. Twenty-seven after the hour. Eric Erickson here. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Them's the numbers. Joe Arpaio has to go to court and make an argument for his pardon. The judge isn't just dismissing it. Um, there are liberals out there championing this judge for not throwing it out. And really all the judge is doing is saying that the... Department of Justice needs to state its official position that the president has pardoned Joe Arpaio in order to throw it out. But the left really thinks that the president's pardoning power can be restrained. It really is a fascinating insight into them when Barack Obama pardoned Chelsea Bradley Manning and the Puerto Rican terrorist. Um, it, when people on the right suggested maybe we need to see if the president's power can be restrained, they're like, heck no, the president has plenary power. That was the phrase, plenary power. The only thing that can stop a presidential pardon is the individual himself rejecting the pardon, which isn't going to happen. Uh, really, what the judge wants is Arpaio is going to have to admit in open court that he was guilty because no one can be pardoned if they've done nothing wrong. Um, so he's going to have to acknowledge it publicly. That's what she wants, uh, which is fine. But the left thinking that somehow a judge can stop a presidential pardon is absolute garbage nonsense. after the hour. So we've actually had uh, more than one person call and uh, email during the break asking if uh, someone's got to be guilty uh, for there to be a pardon. Explain Richard Nixon's pardon by Gerald Ford. Uh, Ford did not require Nixon to state that he was guilty. Everyone knew he was. He was an unindicted co-conspirator. Uh, and Nixon accepted it. And he, given the uniqueness of a president resigning in the scandal that could have led to him going to jail, no one was going to publicly push the issue in that day and age. Now, today, of course, you would imagine that they would want to frog march Trump down Pennsylvania Avenue demanding uh, that he admit his guilt as Sister Elena screams shame, shame, shame behind him. Uh, before giving him a pardon, but uh, the 70s were a different, different peaceful time, <laughs> if you can believe it, compared to now. Uh, we also had another caller call in and ask, um, doesn't the Sheriff Joe having to actually acknowledge in court that he's guilty, uh, doesn't that uh, affect his civil, the civil suits against him and his, his um, police? Not exactly. And the reason I say not exactly is because, as I understand it, and I haven't seen all of the suits, um, but the um, the civil suits against him are not directly on point to what he has been found guilty of. And what he's been found guilty of is the violation of a preliminary court order, not even the final order, the preliminary order. Um, it was a technical matter. And I got to tell you, before any of you call in and say, 
um, we're going hard. We're going too hard on Sheriff Joe and whatnot. Um, one, it is a reminder of how easy people develop cults of personality around terrible people because he's a terrible person, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, in the six years, seven years of this show, uh, I think I can name five people I've labeled a terrible person. He is one of them. Uh, he's not a nice person, uh, and conservative media built him up as some sort of hero, and he's not. Uh, he has uh, burned people's houses down. He has framed people for crimes they didn't commit. He has arrested people for investigating him. Um, I, I am not a fan of his, and you should not be either. Um, and I, I will not tell you what to think, but you should not be a fan of his. Uh, the judge, though, is a little bit outraged by the pardon because with the exception of Nixon, and Nixon, I think everybody's got to concede, was a very unique situation given who it was and what was going on and what was happening. The judge had not gotten to sentencing yet in the Arpaio situation. So even the appellate process had not even begun. And so the judge, my understanding of it from reading some press reports today, is the judge does expect Arpaio and, and his lawyers to come into court and acknowledge uh, the the sentence against him in order to acknowledge the pardon. And you should also know, by the way, and I didn't realize this until this afternoon, that the judge involved here is actually not a liberal judge. I know Arpaio and the president have called this judge a liberal. This actually is a uh, George W. Bush-appointed judge, member of the Federalist Society, highly respected, uh, who apparently even Mitt Romney had at one point considered appointing two higher courts uh, had he gotten elected president. Um, so this is it's not like this is a Obama-appointed judge that's been involved in, in the original case. Uh, against Arpaio. So uh, there's a lot of spin out there, a lot of stuff that isn't true. What is true is that Joe Arpaio is no hero. He is a terrible person. And even the Republican voters in Arizona who went for Donald Trump voted for a Democrat for sheriff there, though Donald Trump and every other Republican won that county. The only Democrat to win was the one against Joe Arpaio. If the voters of his district who are solidly conservative Republican Trump voters can reject him, we should not have a problem rejecting a guy like that. Before we go to commercial break, a, a word on the evacuation or lack thereof in Houston. I'm not going to play armchair quarterback on the evacuation. The mayor of Houston made the decision not to evacuate because uh, he remembered the evacuation from Hurricane Rita where many, many, many thousands of people were trapped on the road as the hurricane hit. And he didn't want to replay that. Uh, I am not someone who's going to label it a partisan feud between the governor and the mayor. And the reason I'm not going to do that is Governor Abbott is uh, in a wheelchair. He is deeply concerned about the impact of storms and natural disasters on the disabled. And his chief concern with wanting Houston evacuated was the disabled. What I will say this, though is that the people who are defending the mayor on a lack of evacuation are saying that it is impossible to evacuate a whole city. No one has ever suggested that the entirety of Houston, Texas be evacuated. The city of Houston and the surrounding areas have been mapped repeatedly in the past 10 years due to flooding concerns, and they knew where the low spots were. And the suggestion from the governor and FEMA and elsewhere 
is that they did targeted evacuations of neighborhoods that they knew for certain would flood. Now, it turns out that some of the neighborhoods they didn't think would flood are flooding. No one no one expected this volume of rain that they've had. But it is such revisionist history to claim that uh, the only option was an evacuation of the entire city. No one ever requested that. No one recommended it, including the governor. It is amazing to me how people can look at a natural disaster while people are still dying in floodwaters and turn it into a political argument. Uh, why don't you take care of the people who are in harm's way before you start arguing over the political merits of something? And I would also say, given the unique historic situation, I don't care whether the mayor is a Democrat or a Republican, uh, you should give the man some slack. They have never seen in Houston a hurricane like this, uh, not because of global warming, but one, it did have a, a higher volume of water shed than the prior hurricanes in the Houston area, but it was compounded by the fact that Houston has many, many more impermeable surfaces than they did when the last hurricane hit uh, because the city has grown exponentially. There are vastly many more parking lots and paved surfaces, and the water could not be absorbed into the ground because the ground no longer exists there. Asphalt and concrete exist. Um, I think that the ridiculous armchair quarterbacking by partisans over this natural disaster is just that ridiculous. <laughs> Welcome back. It's 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Uh, of mine sent me this. This is the Babylon Bee, the, the onions type site for religious news headline. Joel Osteen sails luxury yacht through flooded Houston to pass out copies of Your Best Life Now. (laughs) They have finally opened doors at Lakewood, and I've been one of the people kind of defending, I'm not a fan of his, but... You know, the the area around the church is prone to flooding, making it difficult for people to get there. And, in fact, they did have water soak into the foundation, and they've got flood walls underneath the church that were starting to overflow. Um, so, but they're open now, my friends. They are open now. Um, and Osteen, he just wants you to have your best life now, you know. Uh, that's what God said to the Christians being fed to the lions in Rome, that this was their best life now. Oh, my goodness. Heretics going to commit heresy, people. 